0: In the early church, when there was someone in need, they figured out a way to to make sure that people were taken care of. And they were a church. And what we have been talking about and what we will look at this morning is the truth that we are still the church. That, yes, we are individuals. Yes, God has gifted us uniquely, individually. um, But we are part of something more. And so if you are in here... if and you are still in high school or younger? How many of you are in high school or younger? Raise your hands. All right, that's a a bunch of people. Okay. All right, so let me ask you a question. Are y'all ready? What is your favorite thing about church? Seeing Mr. Darren and Miss Debbie in Sunday school. You got that dollar to give him for saying that? (laughs) Levi says, studying the word of God and growing closer to him? Yes, ma'am. Learning about Jesus? It's good. Who else? I mean, these are great answers. Michael said it was hanging out with his pastor. Oh, he didn't say that. Oh, my bad. But, well, look, there are a lot of things we enjoy about coming together. Now, we know that, that this building, we call it the church, but... Biblically speaking, it's not the church, that we are the church, that the people who come together to make up the body of Christ, the people are the, the church. And so, what we're going to look at this morning is 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 12 through 26. And we have talked about this, we have alluded to this passage several times over the last month and a half as we've been looking at stewardship. We have looked at Romans chapter 12, which has some of the same language in, in an abbreviated form as this does. And we, uh, I, I'm not going to be so bold to think I can get through the whole chapter, so we're skipping the first 11 verses. But let me tell you that in those first 11 verses, he talks. Paul talks a lot to the church at Corinth about how God has gifted them individually. He's given them spiritual gifts, and there are a variety of gifts, and they are given to accomplish a variety of things. And yet, it's for a purpose. And here's the purpose when we get to verse 12. Let's read together. For just as the body is one and has many members, and all members of the body, though many are one body, so it is with Christ. And so he's saying that the body is one, our human bodies. We have one body, yet we have many parts. We've talked about this over the last few weeks. And we talked about this specifically when we were talking about spiritual gifts. And so Paul is reminding the church at Corinth that the body has many parts, and he's using this as an illustration um, to help us understand more about the spiritual body, the church, the church Uh, The body of Christ. And so, just as there is one body, the body has many members, and those many members make up one body. And so, he's using this parallel to show us that yes, there are many, but there's really one. Yes, we come from different backgrounds, we come with different gifts, we come with different um, upbringings, we You know, some churches have people from different countries, have different people from different cultures. And I pray that God would allow us to be that church one day. And we all, where we are right now in our local church, we have different kinds of people. I know I'm telling you something new, right? You're like, I was in Sunday school. I know we've got some different kind of people in this church. But we we have to remember that... With these differences, that really the, this is one of the things that God uses for his glory. this is the way he has purposefully created us uniquely and differently. And, and we were talking about this in the essence of we have individual responsibilities in living for God and living those gifts and giving those gifts back to God and, and living them out for him. Uh, but in this passage, Paul never gets very far from the fact that you are giving these, given these gifts for the edification of the church. You are giving, given these gifts in order to build up the church and to, to help the church to glorify God and honor God. And ultimately, that's what it's about, that the church exists to have a relationship with God and to live on this side of eternity, to live out that relationship for his glory not just inside this building, but outside this building, and so in verse thirteen, he says, "For in one spirit we were all baptized into one body, Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, and all were made to drink of one spirit." Okay, we we that's this is one of the reasons we are so big as Baptists on baptism. Uh, Jesus set the example for us. Uh, of course, baptism is. Uh, a physical outward presentation of what has inwardly already taken place. We give our lives to Jesus. He saves us from sin and the consequences of sin. He saves us from that, and he gives us new life. And so baptism is just symbolic of us dying to our old self and being raised as a new person. And and so when we are baptized... For in one spirit, we were all baptized into one body. Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, it doesn't matter what our backgrounds are, it doesn't matter our ethnicity or our race or our sex or whatever the, the, you fill in the blank, what matters is that Christ created us, that God created us, and he gives all of us an opportunity for salvation, now whether we were all that salvation, whether we all put our faith and trust in him and follow him is a different story, but the opportunity is there for all, and all were made to drink of one spirit. And so when we get saved, the next step following salvation is baptism, to show what God has done inwardly, for us to show it outwardly. And when we are baptized, we are becoming We're basically aligning ourselves with the church. We're becoming members of the church. And now what's important to remember is is that Paul talks about the church a lot in his letters, um, but we should remember the context. He is writing to a specific church. He is writing to the church at Corinth. And so while there are times when we should consider the church as in all Christians in the world— there are also times, many times, I would say probably most of the time when we're looking at the New Testament, we should remember that Paul is also writing to specific local churches. And so today I am preaching to a specific local church, right? This church, if you didn't see the sign on your way in, First Baptist Church in Mansfield, Arkansas, okay? And we are going to talk about what, how we should live out our obedience to Christ and what that would look like if we were faithful stewards with everything God has given us. If we are faithful stewards in whatever area he has uniquely created you and gifted you to feel within our church. So let's keep reading. Verse 14. For the body does not consist of one member but of many. Now I know that many of you have heard this illustration over and over again that you've been studying it for many years, but I encourage you to give these words your attention. I encourage you and challenge you to, to look at them carefully, to read them carefully. And as we discuss them, I hope that they would have a fresh impact on our hearts for those of us who have heard them before. And for those of us who haven't, maybe it will give you a challenge that you've never had before. For the body does not consist of one member, but of many, verse 15. If the foot should say... Because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body. That would, make, that would not make it any less a part of the body. And if the ear should say, hmm, Because I'm not an eye, I do not belong to the body. That would not make it any less part a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would be the sense of hearing? If the whole body were an ear, where would be the sense of smell? But as it is, God arranged the members in the body, each of them, as he chose. If all were a single member, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, yet one body. Now this there's a lot here and he's he's really milking this illustration, isn't he? He's getting the most out of it. He wants you to to really visualize how silly it would be. All right. So the kids are in here today. I want you to use your imagination. Are you kids ready to use your imagination? Okay. I want you to imagine that I am just one big ear. And instead of fingers, I have ears. How silly would that be? I mean, I would be a great listener, but I don't know how well I'd be able to help you to accomplish other things. Or like if you wanted someone to talk to, instead of a mouth, what would I have? An ear. That's just silly, isn't it? And Paul knew this. He knew what he was saying. He, he understood how silly it was, and that's why he's saying it. And yet, for you adults in here, how often do we really try to mold people into our image and make them modify themselves to look like us? And I'm not just talking spiritually. Now, our church isn't like this now, but there was a time where we made them dress like us. We made them talk like us. And we're not even getting to spiritual gifts yet. We're just talking about physically and culturally. It's not our job to make people look like us. It's our job to help people look like Jesus. And we can look like Jesus no matter what our background is no matter what our history is now sometimes because of the way we were raised or the culture we were raised in or maybe even we were raised in another religion sometimes there are more things to overcome in order for us to look like Jesus than others but we should not think that just because we're primarily white middle class that if you come in here then you should act like you're white men. We should be willing to accept anybody who walks through those doors to love them, to lead them to Christ so that they can be baptized, so that they can be a member of this church, and that they can be sanctified, that they can be transformed into the image of Christ, that that he can do for them what I hope he has done for us, not just save us from hell, but save us for a purpose that he transforms us day by day, into his image to accomplish his purpose here on earth. And if we're expecting people to do things our way, and you can use that statement in a lot of different ways, if we're we're expecting people to do things our way, that can be a very dangerous and frustrating thing to hope for. Because if that's what we're wishing for, if that's what we're hoping for, we're going to be let down a lot. Um, To give you an illustration of this, when Rose and I first got married, let me tell y'all what Rose did. No, I'm just playing. Let me tell y'all what I did. Um, we would we would get into arguments. I know, I know. Not anymore. We never disagree on anything now. But I'm talk, This we were much younger. This was 13 years ago. A um, little bit of sarcasm there, but uh, but what I would do is I would expect her. I had expectations of what a mother should be, a wife should be, whatever, because we all have seen that role in some form in our life. And so when we first got married, it would really frustrate me that Rose wasn't doing things my way. I mean, you know, I got over that in about a week. Okay, maybe it took me longer than that. But I can can remember... When God convicted me that it's his job to lead Rose. It's his job to transform Rose. And who am I to know how to transform her? Like, I was a kid too. What did I know about what a wife should be and what a mother should be? And so thankfully, I got out of the way and let God do the changing. And now Rose is more amazing of a woman and a mother and a wife than I could have ever dreamed. My imagination couldn't even get her to that place if it wanted to. And yet, look at what God has done. And in the same way, Rose loves when I use her as an illustration. Um, In the same way, in the local church, it's not our job to try to micromanage people in their lives. It's our job to encourage It's our job to exhort. It's our job to rebuke over spiritual matters. And if we see something that people are doing that are dangerous, then we go to them in love and and we say something if we feel that we have the freedom in Christ to do so. But we let God transform us into who we need to be. Now, I talked a little longer than I wanted to on that. Um, But the thing is, is that we're all different. And God created us differently, and He has gifted us differently, and different is okay. More than that, different is natural and good and right. If we were all an ear, that would not be natural, that would be wrong, and it would be unhelpful. But we're all different for a reason. So the next time you get frustrated at someone in the church because They're not doing things the way that you would choose to do them or that you prefer. Remember that God has created us differently for a reason. We need one another. Let's continue reading in verse 21. The eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you, nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. Let me pause there and say this. I can see this from two different angles. Sometimes there are churches who judge the people who try to come into it, who get saved, and the church doesn't think they have a need of that person. That church is wrong. And then let me say that there are individuals who get saved and they think that the extent of their gift is to bless the pastor by showing up and listening to his sermon on Sunday morning. That would be wrong also. Hey, thank you for showing up. But you have a part to play in this church beyond just listening to a sermon. You have a role. God has called you to be a part of the body of Christ, to play a specific role in this local church. Are you doing that? Are you obeying that? You see, we can be great fathers or great mothers or great children for our our parents. We can use our money wisely. We can do all those things. But if we're not being good stewards of the church that God has given us, then we're missing out. And just as if you choose to not be the husband God called you to be, You're not just affecting yourself, are you? You're affecting your family. You're affecting future generations. You are affecting people. And in the same way, if you choose not to be the part of the body that God has called you to be, then you are not just making that choice for yourself. We live in a generation that tells you you can do whatever you want. You can make whatever decision you want. You just do you but you can't. That's not biblical. If you are a slave to Christ, if you are his, and that's a reference back to a previous sermon for those of you who are not here, Christ saved us from hell and its sin and its wrath, and he has blessed us, and he loves us, and he wants a relationship with us, and there is nothing better that we can have. There is no better way to live our life than with Christ, but when we are saved, he does have expectations for us. He has expectations shown us his desires and his desires is for us to live for him and in essence paul and others consider themselves servants or slaves of jesus because they're not going to do what they want they've given up that right when they became christians they're going to do what he wants and so what does god desire from you not just with your finances or your family or your your talents being used in the world in this church, or if you're not a member of this church, whatever church you're a member of. And if you're a Christian and you're not a member of a church, then you need to be, you should be. If you listen to those uh, scriptures that were read at the beginning of the service, you cannot obey those if you are not a part of the body of Christ, if you are not a part of of a local church. And so, verse 22, we, we need one another. On the contrary, the parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. So you might consider yourself a weak part of the body. Like, what's your purpose in this church? Why are you here? Maybe you think you're here just to listen. That's not true. Sometimes the weakest, smallest parts of the body are the most indispensable, are the most important parts of the body. I found that out this year when my thyroid decided to stop working. It affected everything. I'm not, I'm not, I wasn't suicidal, but if I would have died some of those days and could have gone to heaven, I would have been okay with that. Just because of this little bitty part of the body. So you might think, that you don't have a purpose and that you don't affect our church. But what if the reason? Our, now our church is doing well and we've been growing and we've been we've seen God do things and um, there's a lot to be excited about and and what God is doing. But I can't help but to um, imagine and wonder what would God do through us for His glory if we were all to say, "Here I am, Lord." What do you desire? what part of the body am I supposed to play? Because I feel indispensable. I mean, I feel weak, I should say. I I feel insignificant. But truly, you're indispensable. And until you start living in obedience to Christ in the context of the local church, of this church, we will never be who we could have been with you. We need you to live for Christ. We need you. I'm going to to start over at verse 21, so if you'll go back one, Randy. I'm just going to start reading. The eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you, nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. On the contrary, the parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And on those parts of the body that we think less honorable, we, we bestow the greatest honor. And our presentable parts are treated with greater modesty, or unpresentable, I should say. Verse 24, which our more presentable parts do not require but God has so composed the body, giving greater honor to the part that lacked it, that there may be no division in the body, but that the members may have the same care for one another. If one member suffers, all suffer together. If one member is honored, all rejoice together. This isn't true always in our church but it's simply because sometimes we are not the church that God has called us to be. As your pastor, I often feel your pain. I often go home and Rose and John Michael and Emma and I Pray for you. Sometimes it's just Rose and I when we can't reveal some things, and then sometimes it's just me. But we feel your pain. When you're sick, we love you. We feel that. When you're struggling, we love you. We feel that. And when you're rejoicing, we love you, and we feel that. When God blesses you, we love you, and we, we feel that. We share in those blessings, and we share in those sufferings, because that's the church. You can't help it. If I hit my hand with a hammer, you think the rest of my body is going to be okay with that? No. My mouth is going to say some things. My brain is going to tell me some things that, I shouldn't have done that, and here's some pain to let you know you shouldn't do it again. My bones would probably tell me some things. When one part of the body suffers, the whole body suffers. When one part of the body rejoices, the whole body rejoices. So we have to be careful then. Because what kind of a person wants a body to suffer needlessly? And what kind, of a, what, what kind of a body doesn't want, I'm going to say church, what kind of a church doesn't want to rejoice with those who are rejoicing? We share our sufferings with one another. We spread the burden, the load. Of course, Jesus is the one who ultimately we need to make sure that we're yoked equally to him that he is making our burden light but one of the ways that he chooses to do that is through the local church so we share with one another we pray for one another and when something good happens we share that and we rejoice with that and it's it's just fun to rejoice sometimes it's healthy it's it it will it will help us not just mentally or physically, but it will help us spiritually to rejoice and to take note of of what God has done for us, and not just us as individuals, but for us as a church. We need to rejoice together. We need to mourn together. We need to be there for one another. We are one body. If something happens, we should all feel it. And so let me close with this. The way that our church is structured is we have a lot of teams. And those teams are responsible for specific ministries within the church. We have our mission team. Um, if you're on the mission team, raise your hand. All right, we got some in the balcony. We got some down here. Um, our mission team—they do all the mission trips for us. No, I'm just playing. They lead us in local, statewide, international, all to the ends of the earth. They lead us in missions. That's their role. God has gifted them in that way. We have a finance team. If you're on the finance team, raise your hand. So several people scattered around. They have a responsibility to help our church be good financial stewards of what God has given us. It is their job to review the finances. A lot of money goes through our church. We help a lot of people. We have light bills. We, a, a lot of money comes into our church. And in fact, this year, much more money has gone out of our church than what has come into our church. And it's the finance team's responsibility to make sure that we are being good stewards and that we are honoring God with our finances. But you, each of your teams has a role in that too. The budgets that you request need to be to fulfill the vision that God has given your team. And it doesn't need to be our vision. It needs to be his vision. It needs to be a part of what God is doing in our church. Uh, Hand in hand. How many of y'all help with hand in hand? That's, for those of you who don't know, it's our, our food pantry where they give out lots and lots and lots of bags of groceries every single week. And they have a specific role within our church to help us corporately meet the needs of the hungry the hungry in our community. We have a closed closet. We have flowers. We have different people who are gifted in different ways. They're on different teams, and they're using their gifts that God has given them They're being good stewards of where God has placed them and what God has given them in the local church and the situation where they find themselves. And if we're all doing that, can you imagine what God will do through our church? Can you imagine how he will use us? Will we suffer still? Probably more. But it will be for his glory. Will we rejoice? Probably more. And it will be for his glory. Will we feel a purpose? Yes. Will we be living in that purpose? Yes. Can we as a church grow healthier in this setting? Yes. Can our community be positively impacted by the health of our church? Yes. Your obedience or disobedience simply, simply affects more people than you could ever imagine. Name the area of your life. Your obedience matters. Now, when it comes to our local church, when it comes to this church, your obedience matters and your disobedience matters. There can be people in this church who have a vision and a dream to see all sorts of ministry and missions being done. But, if you say, I am not a part of that, I don't have to play a role in that. That's not my, my responsibility. How does that affect me? It affects you. Because you're a part of the body. We are one body. And I would love to see God using this church to be there for one another, to take care of one another's needs. All of In the scripture, all of those one another's that we looked at a year ago, love one another, serve one another, all those one another's, it's for the church. That's how we are to treat one another. And can you imagine if we were a church like that? And I think we are. I think that I'm not trying to make it sound like we're not a good church. I love our church, and I'm incredibly excited about what God is doing in our church. But if we took that to its fullest truth, if, to the fullest extent of our obedience, if we were those things, can you imagine? Like, who wouldn't want to be a part of our church? It would be We would be a lighthouse cry, crying out, shining our light, Saying, here we are. If you want to feel loved, come here. If you're hungry, come here. If spiritually, physically, come here. And then as we're going out, as we're going and as we're making disciples, as we're showing the love of Jesus, telling people about the love of Jesus, helping them to see their need for Jesus, as people are getting saved, as they're joining our body, as we're teaching them, we're baptizing them and teaching them what it means to follow Jesus and what that looks like. And they're maturing and becoming mature Christians, and we're sending them out. Then our church can be as healthy as it once was when we were sending missionaries out, when ministers were growing up in our church. Our church can be that again, and it can be more. Our church can impact not just this community, but we can impact the world for Jesus. I believe that. It's, it's in his word. It's, it's there. Why would he tell us that it's possible if it's not? And as we're praying, as we're giving to, to the cooperative program, as God is using our gifts and our talents and our skills, as he's using our pain and our suffering and our blessings, as he's using all those things for his glory, what would it look like if we were all obedient? How far could God's impact go through our church? I would love, 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 love to learn and to see. Wouldn't you? Amen. Let's pray. Lord, we love you. And God, I just pray that during this time of invitation that you would convict our hearts, that you would challenge our hearts. It breaks my heart that there were some people... Who are members of our church that were not here this morning to hear this sermon, but Lord, you are sovereign and you know what you're doing, and I believe that every single person that is here was meant to be here this morning to hear this message so that they can be challenged to be the part of the body of Christ that you have called them to be, that we as a church can be the body that you have called us to be. God, help us. Lord, we love you and we want to serve you and we want to honor you and we want to make much of you. We want to see, Lord, not just for us to be healthy inside these walls, but for you to use us to the ends of the earth for your glory. God, I pray that you would use us to transform this community. Lord, I pray that, that people who are struggling with addiction, Lord, whether it's to drugs or something else, that God, that the love of Christ would come into their lives and that it would change that. And Lord, that we would go to you in our weakness and that we would boast in our weaknesses so that the power of Christ can work through us. Lord, there are people sitting in these pews right now who don't know who you've called them to be. They don't know what part of the body they are supposed to be. Lord, they're confused. They're they're unsure of what's next. Lord, I pray that you would make that clear to them. I pray that you would wake up every heart in this room and that you would show them what it is that you are calling them to do, who it is that you are calling them to be, and that, Lord, in their obedience, when that part of the body is working properly, it would encourage other parts, and that we would all be who you have called us to be for your glory, for your kingdom. God, help us to be your bride in the church that you have saved us to be. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. During this time of invitation, I'll be down front if you want me to pray with you. If you want to come to the altar, and get on your knees and just commit some things to God, God, I know I need to be yours. I know I need to be living for you. I know I need to be a better part of the body. Whatever God is calling you to be, then you, you deal with that with him. However God is calling, you respond. If you need to become a Christian this morning, I'm right here. I will tell you how easy it is for you to place your faith and trust in Jesus Christ. If you want to be a part of this church, a member of this church, I'm right here. Come and join our church and let's see how you can be faithful in the local body of Christ. Let's respond to him.